I want to ask this morning, or I wanted to ask, but I thought it might take a bit long, um, where people's favourite holiday destinations? I know um, Bob and Anita have a beautiful spot up at Rainbow Beach. Um, and I know Ian likes to go, well he's not here, but bad luck, he likes to go to Pambula every year. That's a favourite destination. Well, for me, Joe will tell you that I love to be on a beach. Which beach? Well, when our children were younger, we used to holiday down at Inverloch. When they were older, Joe and I used to travel to Bermagui in New South Wales. But whenever we are down the Mornington Peninsula, we have to, it's not an option, we have to drop into Rosebud. And not just anywhere in Rosebud, we have to drop into the beach next to the Chinaman's Creek outlet. It is a holiday destination that my family stayed at for 20 years. It is a, it's full of wonderful memories of living a carefree life. It seemed like a million miles away from everywhere. But to be honest, if I was perfectly honest with you, it is not the best beach in the world. In fact, it's quite an ordinary beach. It's full of seaweed and shells and weeds. and So I'm thinking it's not so much about the place, but it's about the feelings and memories of that beach that makes it special. To be honest with you this morning, I haven't been able to find a logical reason why Jesus chose to go to, to, go to Gerasia. In fact, there's quite a dispute about exactly where he went. Most think that it was somewhere on the border between Decopolis and uh, Galentis. Many commentators seem to think that Jesus went there just to get out from under the eye of Herod. I'd like to think, of course, I'd like to think that they went there for some time of refreshment and time for rest, just to wander along the foreshore, ankle deep in water. That's all I would do. But if they did go there for some rest and to paddle in the foreshore, imagine how everybody felt when this wild man comes storming down the foreshore. I bet the disciples would have been thinking about getting back in the boat and just finding another beach. But Jesus, however, is totally unfazed. Just prior to our reading this morning on the sailing across the Sea of Galilee, we have the story of Jesus calming the ocean, calming the storm. You know the story. Jesus is asleep in the front of a boat. They sail into this huge storm. The disciples are full of panic, thinking they're going to drown. And Jesus calmly wakes up, scolds the wind and the waves, and there is calm. Well, here they are again, only this time they are faced with a human storm. 
raging before them, unpredictable, erratic and volatile. This area on the shore of the Sea of Galilee was still and still is a disputed territory. It certainly wasn't a Jewish area. How do we know this? By the pigs. Yep, dead right. No Jewish person would likely have anything to do with pigs. We all know that they wouldn't eat pork, but they wouldn't have anything to do with raising them either. This would have, had, this would have added to the stress of the disciples. They are in an unfriendly area, confronted by a less than friendly welcome party. But again, we see Jesus acting calmly and purposeful. Now, if the forces of nature to us are untamable, this man is equally so. The local townspeople, possibly his own family, had even tried to restrain him. They've tried to restrain him with shackles and chains. But he has wrenched the chains apart and broken the shackles into pieces and no one was able to subdue him. This wasn't just because of his strength. There was a superhuman aspect to it. And as we go on, we discover he was, just, he was possessed by evil spirits. So many, in fact, they describe themselves as legion. That is, thousands. Well, one thing evil spirits can do is recognise other spiritual forces around them. So as Jesus approaches, the man runs up to him and bows down and shouts at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Do not send me into the abyss. Because Jesus had already asked, Come out of the man, you unclean spirits. These spirits recognise who Jesus is and the power that he wills. But notice that there is a bit of by-play that goes on here. In the ancient world, there was a belief that if you knew the true name of someone, you had power over them. Well, these spirits may have been trying to use that power over Jesus by the use of his real name, Jesus, Son of the Most High God. But it doesn't work. Instead, Jesus asks, what is your name? And the spirit answers, legion. He's not going to tell him his real name. He doesn't want to give Jesus the power over him. But it doesn't matter. Jesus' power doesn't come from knowing the spirit's name. It comes from being the son of God. And legion soon realises this. He begs not to be sent out into the abyss. Presumably, meaning out of the world. Rather, he asked instead to be allowed to enter a flock of pigs grazing on the hill. So Jesus gives permission. There is, an, there is perhaps an ironic twist here, isn't there? There's an ironic twist in the story that as unclean spirits enter these unclean animals and both rush into the sea and are drowned. By the way, 
Notice that Jesus only tells the unclean spirits to leave the man once, right at the start. It seems that that initial command is the one the spirits are responding to when they ask permission to go into the herd of pigs. All Jesus does at at the end is give permission for his original command to be redirected. Well, great. But what does all this say to us? In the absence of having to to deal with demon-possessed people, what do we take away from this story? Well, first of all, we take away the knowledge that Jesus' power is greater than both natural forces and the spiritual forces of the world. The entire created order, both material and spiritual, are under his control. You could say, you could say this is one of the great consequences of the incarnation, of Jesus becoming human like us. As Jesus enters the created world in human form, yet still truly God, we can expect miracles in the created order. The incarnation, of course, is the first great miracle. All the others are simple, simply echoes of, that, of the greatest of all miracles. Yet, these, instance, these incidents also speak to us about acknowledging our dependence on God in our daily life. For a disciple of Jesus, being with Jesus should give us confidence. Whether we're experiencing storms or calm, what matters is that Jesus is with us through the Holy Spirit. Anyone who thinks that the Christian life will be all continual series of success, excitement and growth is only heading for disappointment. But the person who looks to Jesus' presence with them for their satisfaction and reassurance will never be disappointed. Jesus' presence with us means we need to no longer fear what might happen to us. It doesn't mean that Jesus will take away all the dangers and rescue us from every predicament we get ourselves into. Rather, it means that we can approach such possibilities with the peace of knowing that Jesus is watching over us. We can have confidence knowing that Jesus has promised us eternal life at the Father's side and that whatever happens, he won't abandon us. Now, if your, rest, if your hope rests entirely in this world, this experience, that may not be a great comfort. But we are, we are people whose hope lies in the future in being in God's presence for eternity. If that's where our hope lies, then nothing that happens here on earth can threaten us because there is nothing that can happen here that can ever separate us from God's love. But the other side of the coin, the other thing we can learn from this story is that when we 
when we are faced with some great obstacle or some uncontrollable force in our lives. We have a Lord with us who is greater than all the forces in the created world. We can pray to God with confidence that he is able to do anything we ask, whether it's keeping us safe on a holiday at our favourite beach or seeing us through a difficult situation or, or through some personal crisis or keeping our children safe. We don't have to feel desperate. We shouldn't be anxious. We can pray to God asking him to help us, being confident that he has all the power we need for our situation. But at the same time, remembering that the power he has to give us may be the power to persevere, even when things don't go the way we want. And the knowledge that he has our eternal interests, our eternal interests at heart, not just our present interests. It is also why this place is important, this building, this congregation. It is and should be one of the places where we feel loved and supported. More importantly, where we are known, where we can rest. Please don't get me wrong. I don't want to acknowledge that it isn't easy. I don't want to make it sound as though it is not hard work. Life is not a perpetual holiday. Life isn't a beach. But we can rest. We can rest in the knowledge that we have our eternal safety, our eternity safe through Jesus. Amen.